When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hey guys, this is Ashley from Kentucky. I just listened to Mark's terrible story flying back from Daytona. Uh, my story is not nearly as scary as that. Um, it's more just inconvenient and aggravation. But uh, February 2020, somebody in my company thought it was a good idea to have a meeting in Montreal, uh, one of our office locations. And so I'm flying from Lexington. I always have a connection because it's a small airport. So I connect to the Northeast. I think it was Philly, um, could have been Newark, but somewhere in the Northeast, um, you guys are very familiar with that area and how flights can go in February, I'm sure. So I'm supposed to connect and I'm supposed to land in Montreal about four o'clock in the afternoon. And my connection flight got delayed. So we sat in Philly for about seven hours. Uh, there was a bunch of snow in Rochester, New York. Uh, so my plane was delayed coming out of there. When we finally get in the air about 10 o'clock at night, uh, we are about 30, 45 minutes from landing in Montreal, and the pilot comes on and says that one of Montreal's landing strips is frozen over as they were sitting on about two feet of snow with some ice at the time, and we don't have enough fuel to hold in the air. So they landed us in Albany, New York, basically said no more flights out till two more days from that point. Uh, good luck. So had to get a hotel room and a rental car and then drive myself to Montreal the next morning. Uh, treacherous conditions in the roadway. Finally made it to the meeting at lunchtime. Uh, so, yeah, it was great. Uh, just thought I'd tell you that story since I have a four-hour drive today. But thanks. Uh, thanks for keeping me entertained when I'm on the road, guys. Have a great day. I tell you, there's nothing worse than travel issues. Oh, my gosh. I know. And if you were in Albany, New York, you should have reached out because my I have family oh, in Albany. Oh, that's right. And 
little Miss Aubrey, my daughter, lives like 15 minutes north of Albany. Well, I'm very sorry um, that that happened to her. I am too. And having to drive in treacherous conditions, and we all know, we know what that's like. That's not fun. It's not at all. Um, Mark, I have something I'd like to bring to the creep table. Oh, right. You can bring it. See what I'm doing with my hands. This She's bringing it to the table. It's to the table. All right, Charity, the table is yours. This is just a question um, based on something that I saw on social media, and I'd like to know the answer. Landing strips? I was, too. She had to land at the landing strip, and no. it popped something else in my head. And- uh, no, oh. guys. Get, get your head out of the gutter. I thought we were on the same page there. Because you need to know where to land? Is that what you're telling people? No, <laughs> half the audience will get it. If you get that joke, guys. Oh, I get it. I know. That's throw me I, out a message. That's what I mean. You need to know how to <laughs> land. Anyways. <sighs> no, this is, uh, this is a different question. Okay. When a guy goes to the bathroom and does the number one. Okay. Does he wash his hands? We're supposed to say we do. But none of you do, I don't think. And then you go to a freaking buffet, you shake hands. Yeah. Okay. So us guys who don't wash hands are shaking our hands with other guys that don't wash their hands. And other women and stuff. I don't know why. I don't I, shake the hands first of all. First of all, I never even thought of that. Like it never even crossed my mind until I saw somebody mention that and asked why guys do not wash their hands after they touch their snake. The snake. Or their skin flute. Would you call it before their unit? Their unit. Um can can we open a discussion about this? Sometimes I don't even touch it. I just air hang it out there and oh. it hits, it hits. Okay, so sometimes... No, because I'm not gross and grody and I'm pretty clean. It doesn't matter. Nobody got time for that. That's an extra six seconds that I'll never have back. Yeah, six seconds. That could have been six more seconds. I could have been sitting on my chair smoking the token. I will say I do not wash my hands when I pee in the outdoors. Well, that's what they have Purell for, Charity. Although you just said pee outdoors and... My lovely daughter, Aubrey, is going to hate the fact that I'm going to bring this up. Oh, I think you talked about this when Did she was I talk little. About this? Yeah. yeah. So the people that don't know, I sold the camper probably almost 20 years ago at this point. So Aubrey went along with me to deliver it. And then it turned into this nightmare because this guy wanted to put it on his property up in the middle of the woods. Oh, geez. I didn't have my truck at the time. So all I, I had our Explorer. So I'm towing it up there with an Explorer. The guy's like, oh, it needs to go up there. And every part of me just wanted to leave it on the roadside since I already got a check. So, but I didn't, and I was being nice. And now Aubrey, we're halfway up this mountain and this Aubrey's going, daddy, I got pee. I got to pee. So, and I'm like, you're going to have, you're going to have to hold it. And she's like, no, no, hold, no, hold. Aubrey's probably a year old, maybe Aww. two, just barely talking, whatever that age is. Um, so probably around two. And then finally I'm like, all right, Aubrey, you got to go pee outside. And she's like, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, you're going to have to. So she did. And then for about seven months straight, it was, Daddy, I want to go pee on nature. I want to go pee on nature. Yeah. She was absolutely hooked on peeing outside. I think it's very important for even women to know how to pee-pee in the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably something that everybody should learn how to do. It's a lot easier for a guy to do. I don't even know how the logistics of women figure that out, but I don't want to <laughs> know. I'll tell you off air. I don't, I don't need I'll to know. I'll tell you my technique. <laughs> No one needs to know <laughs> right now. Okay, so guys, guys yeah, and girls, I love that. 
I want to know your thoughts on this. Is it acceptable that men do this or does it kind of gross some people out? I just, I just, I want opinions. Here's the thing. People are gross. I, people don't like to admit they're gross. No, I, trust me. Everybody who says, oh, I've never peed in the shower or I've never done this or I've never done that. Lies. Liars. You're a liar. I've never peed in a pool. Come on now, people. Dude, it's the whole reason I get in a pool to put the pee in it. All right. Note to self, I will not be swimming in a pool with Mark. (laughs) There's nothing like getting out into the water and having that nice flowing experience. Oh, my God. (laughs) Pool, jacuzzi, hot tub. No. All right. Bathtub. No, I'm joking. I was stretching there. Oh, my God. If you're out in a lake and you decide you're going to pee, that's a great feeling. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't really pee in a hot tub, guys, or a tub. That's funny. Thank God. I think everybody will say, oh, you're supposed to, or that's just gross and this and that, but it is what it is. That's the way I look at it. That was my question for the day. I do, for the most part, like I don't always wash my hands after I pee, but I usually wash my hands before I eat. Well, that's good. Sometimes. Oh. All right. Not very often. Even if you're like sharing a pizza with somebody after you just peed. What do I do more than anybody in the world, Charity? Put your fingers in your mouth. I chew my fingernails too. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay because that's your own pee-pee. Oh, so you're, guess what, guys? So it's kind of like your pee-pee was in your own mouth. Well, I mean, if I if I lost a couple of these ribs, that would happen anyways. Okay. No, this I'm just joking. This is taking a turn for the worst, guys. I'm joking. All right, so nice, nice 90s comedy. <sighs> That kind of goes along this line. Go look it up. It's Damon Wayans, Adam Sandler. The movie's called Bulletproof. And I'm not going to give away the plot, but there's a part in the movie where Adam Sandler looks and says to the other guy, he's like, listen, you got my pee on me. That's my own pee. But when you fall asleep, I'm going to pee on you. And that's my pee on you. And that's gross. <laughs> you have to watch it. It's such a great movie. Oh, I'm Underrated. So, I'm glad that that it was, a, you know, an entrance to a movie. Yeah. Not only that, wait till the part where they're trying to escape the bad people and get out the window of the bathroom. And it looks like they're doing something different. And oh, the, my God. The guy who runs a place is called Charlie. So they go, he sees them. And he's like, oh, boy. He thinks there's a little something, something's going on. Oh. And he's like, what's up, Charlie? And the guy goes, what's up, Chuck? Oh. You guys got to see it. Bulletproof. Look it All up. Right. It's great. Guys, you, that's that's your little um, homework. All right. So just a little bit of uh, something I want to pass along to you creeps. Um, we always ask you if there's people out there that are need to be located or stories that need to come to light to send them in and... One of our creeps did just that. And I'm sorry if I get this name wrong, but Rhiannon Maloney sent this story into us here at Case Watch and just wanted to send this out to you guys as well. The Thurston County Sheriff's Office is calling the disappearance of a father suspicious. The family of Stephen Barton reported the 54-year-old missing on Thursday. They said he was last seen Wednesday evening at their home in the 7600 block of Scatterview Lane Southwest in the Rochester area. They believe he was home Thursday morning. His vehicles, wallet, and cell phone were still at the property, according to the family. Thurston County officials searched around the property, and Washington State Patrol used its airplane to help search. 
Martin is described as five foot eight with a short brown haircut and brown eyes. Anyone with information about this case is asked to call the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-704-2740. Once again, that's 360-704-2740. This is a developing story, guys, and we will keep you updated as things roll along. Do the right thing. If you see something, say something. It's how these cases get solved. Absolutely. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, crime creeps of all ages. Speaking of solved cases, Charity has a whole bunch she wants to throw our way. Um, I do. So these are all interesting reasons to kill. Oh, boy. The look on your face says this is going to get Very good. Interesting, as I like to say. Interesting, you say? Take it away. Hold on. Let me put my glasses on that are hanging around my neck. These things have now made another week's of appearance, ladies and gentlemen. They're on. That's a gift that keeps on giving. (sighs) Love it. Okay. If someone were to murder another human being, you would think in their mind that they had a good reason for it, right? Like if someone decided, I'm going to take you out, you would think that. You would think, which as we do this podcast, we know this isn't the case, but you would think that in their mind, there was no other option. Yeah. Right? It's almost like when you look at these hardened criminals in jail and you're like, what are you in for? And they're like, murder. What are you in for? Rape. What are you in for? Murder. And they look at the guy in the corner. What are you in for? I smoked a joint. <laughs> like, yeah, but looks can be deceiving. So you're going to try to trick me. Let's go. Oh, my God. In my opinion. There is never a good reason to kill another human being unless it is in self-defense or someone you love is being brutally attacked and the only option to save them is to kill, right? I agree with you. In today's episode, I have a montage of cases of murder. Cases with the most interesting excuses for murdering another human being. Kind of like triple Ds, but like more on a horrific scale. Oh boy. Okay. Some of them are worse than others, but let's just get started. We're going to start with a man named Robert Lyons from Carol Streams, Illinois. Illinois, Mark. Illinois. Yeah, Illinois. I got Uh, He he did that to trigger some of you guys. Just ignore it. Don't even comment on it. Don't even comment. Just ignore. It triggers Kristen, too. Oh. She gets really angry when I say Illinois. I bet. Yeah. Illinois. Robert is a man with a history of mental illnesses. At the time he committed murder, he was being treated for bipolar disorder. He had tried to kill himself more than once and was even institutionalized at times. At the time of the murder, Robert lived with his mother, 61-year-old at the time, Linda Bolek, and her boyfriend. I would assume the 39-year-old at the time had a hard time living by himself, so it would make sense that he lived with his mother. You see, on March 14th, 2008, Robert murdered his mother, and his reasoning was as follows. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. According to the Chicago Tribune, Robert said he attacked his mother after they returned home to their condo after doing some errands. I guess he and his mother's first argument was over buying flowers to give to hostesses that worked at an Outback steakhouse he went to all the time. Oh, I love Outback. Linda must have told him she wasn't going to spend the extra money on flowers that particular day, but who knows. 
All we know is that the argument already put him into an irrational mood. The flowers must have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Because earlier in the day, the two had another quarrel. Robert wanted Linda's help in getting free Avril Lavigne tickets. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> hey, hey, you, you. I don't like a girlfriend. I can't. I love Avril Lavigne. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. If somebody wants to hook me up with some Avril Lavigne tickets, I would go. I know all the songs. Like, I can look over at you jokingly. I could sing you any one of her songs. Would you wear you a half to. top and skater pants and stuff? What I would do, I would do, remember when you used to take your shirt and you used to tuck it through oh, like yeah. this? Guys, he's doing it, it right now. Guys, I can't, I can't. I have he's a shirt bra on right now. I would totally do that for Avril Lavigne tickets. At least he's got pants on. Oh, those would come off if needed. Absolutely. If that took what it, if what it takes to get tickets, I'm in. You guys heard it here on Case Watch. All right, continue on. Anyways. Mark has no shame. The people who, <laughs> people that don't know me who listen to this and be like, oh, this is an act. And then the people who do know me are like, no, oh, this is, this is Mark. Well, it's Mark. <laughs> um, apparently, she refused to help him with getting those tickets. It seems to me Linda was just trying to keep her son in reality by not enabling him with things that aren't true reality such as a possible relationship with a hostess that, for all we know, might have voiced concerns over Robert's affections, right? Yeah, maybe. You, you never know. I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Robert claimed he snapped after the arguments that day. Linda allegedly had a knife in her hand, one that she was probably going to use to cut vegetables or something. But the sight of that knife is what Robert claimed set him into motion. He attacked his mother violently, grabbing a bottle of alcohol and smashing her head with it. He then stabbed her nine times in the back. <gasps> Finally, after she was dead, he decided it would be a great idea to pour all sorts of cleansers and insecticide on his mother's lifeless body. That's wrong. Robert pleaded with the court, telling them he had not been taking his meds at the time when he murdered his mother. Prosecutors wanted to give Robert 65 years, but Judge Catherine Creswell took his psychi psychiatric history into account when she sentenced him. He ultimately received 40 years with no chance of parole. According to the Chicago Tribune, this is what Judge Creswell had to say. Obviously, when he's not medicated, bad things happen. But the question is, what would happen if the defendant were released on his own? I agree with her. It seemed the whole point of him living with his mother would be that he had some supervision and help living with his conditions. Again, his mother seemed to be doing everything she could to try and help her son live a fairly normal life as possible. I also have the same question I always have in situations like this. Should they be in a facility that just concentrates on criminals that have clear mental conditions or just thrown into jail into jail and medicated? I have a hard I have a I don't know. I have a varying of opinions on this because one part of me wants to say I don't care what was wrong with you mentally that person that you killed is now gone from this earth forever well, where is their comeuppance to be able to be rehabilitated or brought back to oh that's right they can't because exactly you killed them and and 
he was very well, very aware of his mental condition. He was very aware that he needed to be taking his medication, and he was very aware that he was not taking his medication. This is this might be a little too real, but we live in a country now where if you say something that offends somebody, your entire life is over. Right. But yet you can kill somebody and, oh, they can be rehabilitated. Yeah. We can bring them back. What is it, people? Yeah. Can we rehabilitate people or is all lost? Like, I let I, me know what we're following this month so I can get onto the same page. I feel like some people can be rehabilitated. But do we want them to be? Right. Well, that's every case is different. That's the thing. It shouldn't be. If we live in a cut and dry world, you killed somebody. Right. I don't care if you're in your right mind or not. At the end of the day, you still killed somebody. Right. That person now has a family that does not have them in it anymore. Mm-hmm. So just because I, you know, I'm, I'm just playing both sides of the fence of here. Course. I hope people realize that. Yeah. Like, I believe people can be rehabilitated. I know. But you have to state both sides. How can you be that person to tell that family like, oh, that, you know, your son that you loved that got murdered by this person over here? He may have had some pre, you know, existing condition that right. forced him to be pre-exposed to this, that caused this, and is a mental issue. But don't worry, he's been treated; and he's fine now. So he's back out in society. Your son, who was a fine, upstanding gentleman, is now gone because well, you know he's gone. And but I, don't be mad because we rehabilitated him. Well, and I think that's what this, what this judge was saying. They were saying if if. He was living with his mother and he wasn't taking his medication. And then this happened. Yep. Who's to say that he's released into back out into the world that he's going to continue taking his medication. And if he doesn't take his medication, this could happen again. Absolutely. That that was that was the point of that. So I I agree with that judge. But yeah, just that that's a senseless one. And in that case, you know. I don't know. Just to fend off all the we hate Mark mail that I get every time I say stuff like this. <laughs> people, we need to look at both sides of the fence and talk about both sides of these stories. I agree. So, I mean, that's unfortunately the way it is. Sorry. Yeah. yeah and we have had cases where rehabilitation has worked 100% yes. with like, you know, unfortunately killers that were really young or, you know, so it it can. Every case is different as we at the further along we go with this podcast, yes, the more absolutely. I believe people can be rehabilitated. Sometimes things happen out of people's control, but we still need to. But we still need to put the onus on the person that committed the heinous act to begin with. And you still doesn't matter if my family member was run over by a car by a complete accident. I'm still going to miss them, of course. Like you can't just look at it as well. This person wasn't in the right mind, so you you can't worry, and we got to let this person go. Yep. Like, that's just all I'm trying to say. We love your opinions, Mark. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> all right. this That's this, Forrest Gump, people. It was a good Forrest Gump. Not really. Okay. All right. This next one. Fergus Glenn is from New Zealand. In 2003, he was 36 years old and he lived with his parents. Clearly he had something going on because he couldn't hold on to a job. And it sounds like he was freeloading off of his parents. Oh, I wish I could have done that. <laughs> In March of 2003, Fergus's brother, Craig, who was 33 at the time, moved in with his parents as well. Unlike his brother, Craig had been thriving, married with three children. Unfortunately, he and his wife separated and he moved back in with his parents. My thoughts are that maybe he was wishful thinking that his wife would take him back and staying with his parents would be temporary. 
instead of like renting a place and making it more final. He was probably hoping I'll just stay with my parents for for a while and maybe things will kind of calm down. It appears Fergus and Craig didn't get along at all. They argued and fought all the time, not just verbal fighting either. It often got physical. Not physical. 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 Not to make light of the story, but I picture them fighting like in the movie Step Brothers. Two grown ass men calling each other's names and wrestling on the floor. So you have to see that movie. I am sorry that you can, I can't believe you have not seen yeah. it. I also haven't seen Talladega Nights, which is pretty crazy because I love racing. So you would love that movie. I'm not. A it was huge just Will on. Ferrell. Guy. Oh my god! I'm making you one. It was hysterical. Him where he was in what's the movie? We're going streaking in the quad. Oh, yeah. That it's movie, I school. like it. Old school, I yeah. like. You're yeah. my boy, Blue. Yep. Yep. Like, that's good. Yep. Anchorman, never seen it. Don't so care. So good. Oh, Ron Burgundy. Oh, my gosh. Are you joking? All right, we're going to talk more about this off air. Okay. I, anyways, the fighting continued on for a few months until one night. Dun, dun, dun. This particular night in 2003 was actually a nice one. The brothers were getting along just fine. Fergus cooked the family a delicious dinner and everyone went to bed. Everyone except Fergus. You see, Fergus was stewing, so he stayed up and drank whiskey. Apparently, Craig never thanked his brother for dinner in in, in Fergus's eyes. That was unacceptable, Mark. It's pretty unacceptable. Like, very unacceptable. Oh, 100%. According to Fergus, as the whiskey set in, he started to have what he called dark thoughts. (laughs) Thoughts that suggested he should kill his brother. So he got an axe and murdered his brother in his bed, striking him eight times. Right? I mean, totally normal. Didn't thank him for dinner, Charity. I guess we can say in this case especially, a thank you goes a long way. Just say thank you. (laughs) You can't eat your meat if you don't. Oh, my God. I love that. If you don't eat your meat, you can't have your pudding. (laughs) Let's hear what Fergus had to say. He just annoyed me, and I did it. I'm not proud, but I did it. That was very matter of fact. Very much so. Fergus was sentenced to life in prison. This, I I think I may have told this on on the podcast before, too. In between while you're pulling up your next one. So I was hanging out with my little brother uh, who lives up in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago. I had to go to one of the tracks that we operate up in that area. So I was like, you know what? I got to I gotta be up here two days. I'm not driving two hours back home and then two hours back. Right. So I, I crashed at my brother's house and we were talking and he's like, do you remember punching me in the face <gasps> when I was 12? And I was like, yeah. And he's like. I don't remember what that's about. I 100% do. Back in the day, you used to be able to go have your birthday party at McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Kristen doesn't even realize that McDonald's sells birthday cakes, which they do. I didn't know they did that. And they're the best cakes you could ever have in the world. Wow. Phenomenal. But he was heading to, we were heading to have his birthday, and he wouldn't let me have the front seat. So I socked him in the front, knocked out his front tooth on the way to his 12th birthday party. Wow. Hey, got to give up that front seat sometimes, guys. See, look, Mark was violent when I was 12, but I didn't wow. kill him. I just punched him in the face. Wow. Interesting. Oh, wow. I think we should have your brother on air. Nah, he he would have zero interest in doing this. Really? He probably doesn't even... No, he actually, my little brother does listen. Yeah, he, he does. He makes basis. comments and stuff. Yes. Sorry, Dustin. Punched you in the face. You're 12. Dustin, if you'd like, I can punch Mark in the face. 
Nah, nah. I'm not violent. I won't do that. Okay, here's the next one. Alexandra Tobias was a young 22-year-old mom to three month old to a three-month-old baby in 2010. Her family and friends said she was a great person but had gone through tough times. In 2008, her mother died, and she was the one that found her. It's been said she was also a victim of rape. She Ooh. and her dad had a volatile relationship, both even getting arrested for domestic abuse. Their arrests were just a few weeks before the incident we are going to talk about took place. Now, I do want to say none of these things are an excuse for what happened, but I thought it was important to mention them anyway. It was a normal day in January of 2012, and Alexandra was playing Farmville, an interactive game played through Facebook. Have you heard of Farmville? I have. I find Farmville to be just as worthless as the game that Kristen like wastes hours a day on called that candy crushing game. Yes. She has candy crush, cookie crush, soda smash, cookie smash, <laughs> candy soda. I don't know. She plays them from like the time she wakes up to the time she goes to bed. I love that. And then what's more annoying is when you hear that in-app purchase go, ding, and I just look at her and she's like, what? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess she was pretty obsessed with her game because, well, then hopefully this wouldn't be Kristen. <laughs> right. Uh, because when her three-month-old Dylan started to cry and interrupt her game, she lost her sheet. As in. She lost her sheets? S-H-E-E-T. Yeah. Sheets. <laughs> she lost her sheet. Now that wouldn't be Kristen. She's very attentive I know to her she child. Is. I know she is. She's an awesome mother. She started to shake her little baby as hard as she could to stop him from crying. She must have gotten tired and needed a break because she took a short time out to have a smoke. She then went right back to shaking her infant and didn't stop until little Dylan wasn't breathing anymore. Realizing what she had done, she started to freak out and called 911, saying, he's only 14 weeks old. He's not breathing. She tried to create a story to cover up what she had done, telling the police that a dog pushed Dylan off the couch, and when he fell, he hit his head and stopped breathing. Was there even a dog there, was my question. I, right. <laughs> what a worthless piece of crap. Yep. Realizing that investigators would realize her story was bullcrap, um, because when the autopsy results came in, it wouldn't show head trauma. Wait a minute. Bull. Sheets. Sheets. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, she I just had to. She finally fessed up and told them what she had done. All because little Dylan interrupted her game. She was convicted and sentenced to 50 years in prison. Do you think that was enough? Uh, no. Nope. She should never see the light of day again. Nope. I really feel that way. I do too. 49-year-old David Scott and 42-year-old Roger Wilkes lived in St. Louis. I got to stop you. What? Do you remember when we used to think 42 and 49 were like totally freaking old? And now it's just like, man, they're young. Yeah, they're young. It's right in between there. <laughs> hey, no need for the creeps to know my age. Oh, they already just know. Kidding. Of course they know. Okay, so these two men were assumed to be homeless as they were seen around by many. So they were like kind of looked homeless, I guess. Kind of like I did before I cheated on you. Got exactly. Look like that. Yeah. And they, you know, were always hanging around the streets and whatnot. One day, the two men were hanging out together and Roger was enjoying a bag of Cheetos. Mark, this could be you. Oh, boy. <laughs> David must have been a Cheetos lover because he got super excited when he saw the bag and asked if he could have some. 
Roger must have also been a Cheetos lover because he said, nope, get your own bag. As soon as he heard this, David became enraged. He grabbed the knife he had on his person and stabbed Roger in the chest, killing him. (gasps) Unlucky for David, there was more than one witness as they were just out in the open. The police were able to nab David a few blocks away and arrest him for the murder. Oh, and he still had the knife on him. Idiot. It would have been funnier if he had Cheeto fingers. He might have. I don't know. That what you just said, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I am laughing over here because of something that one of our creeps put in the Case Watch Crime Creep group last week. And it's made me laugh ever since where it was a picture of a couch. Yep. And it had like what looked to be like a you know, woman's blush yep. on the couch. And a woman snapped a picture of it and sent it to her boyfriend and said, Who's the the what how are we gonna say? The easy A in the room. Oh yeah. That's not my shade. You're a loser. Thanks for cheating on me. And the guy's response back was, I don't know, maybe it's your Cheeto fingers because that's where you wipe them. Oh, and I was like, my God. That's awesome. I love that. This is the stuff you guys are missing in the Case Watch Crime oh, yeah. Creep group. Facebook.com. Go to search. Type in Case Watch Crime Creeps. Click join. You're in here with all the rest of us like-minded individuals. Lots of fun interactions. All right. Sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead now. Okay. It was later discovered that the men were not homeless. Yes, they just looked like they were, like I said. Right. (laughs) It was also discovered that David had quite the rap sheet. It seemed he had been arrested more than once for stealing an assault. This was his first arrest for murder over Cheetos, though. (laughs) But he was charged with second-degree murder because, you know, it wasn't premeditated. (gasps) It's a passion crime. He had love for Cheetos. (laughs) It is a a food passion crime. (laughs) I agree with you on that. I'm not making light. A poor man lost his life over Cheetos, so... I mean, okay. they're pretty good. The crunchy ones, I don't like the I don't like the other ones, like the cheese puff style, but the crunchy ones are, those are on point. But I don't want to interrupt you here, but when you're done with this one, this just reminded me something that I've read recently. Oh, I'm so, done with the Cheetos one. Oh, you are? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Can I interject one yeah, in here for course. you guys? All right, guys, everybody, you know, all those scandalous men out there, you know, like we, we talked about earlier with the scandalous woman and deleting her texts and stuff. Yep. The struggle is real. So let me read you a quick story. A Mexican woman flew into a rage and stabbed her husband when she found out what she thought were snaps of him on his phone having sex with another woman. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. You know, police, guys, this is this is sad. Like, can you imagine that woman looking through her husband's phone and seeing these pictures? Like, yeah. it's horrible. Really horrible. Police responded last week to the reports of a domestic dispute at the couple's home in Sonora, where they discovered that a man with multiple stab wounds on his arms and legs. Oh, so she didn't kill him, though. His wife, identified as Lornora A, they didn't give her last name, reportedly went ballistic when she found the illicit photos on his phone showing him having sex with who she thought was another woman. Wait, 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 wait. Who she thought? Well, yeah. I mean, it was another woman. She didn't recognize it. That's kind of a weird wording, though. Okay. Okay, sorry, sorry. Without asking him about the photos, Lenora allegedly, allegedly began attacking her shocked hubby, identified as Juan. Juan. Oh, remember Juan the mummy? Juan, (laughs) who finally managed to wrestle the knife from her hands and ask her what set her off. Juan then told Lenora that the woman she thought he had been cheating with was actually her. 
when they were just dating. Oh, my God. Whoa. Did she look different? His wife apparently did not recognize herself because she was younger, thinner, prettier, and had makeup on. Oh, my gosh. Juan, who was expected to recover from his injuries, told investigators that he told his jealous wife he had recently found the photos in an old email and transferred them to his phone. Lenora was arrested and remains behind bars pending charges. Oh, do you think he'll take her back? There is no word whether Juan will forgive Lenora at this time, but we will keep you updated. Oh, that falls right in line with these. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Love it. I wonder how bad she felt after when she realized. What is the etiquette for naked pictures after a relationship, people? I need to know. Do you keep them? Do you delete them? Do you put them in a folder in the old? I mean, you know, I, I guess if you like to look at them, if you're that type of person, even if you're not together, then I guess the somebody would keep them. I guess it's an individual decision, Mark. I mean, it's art, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is definitely a form of art. All right, guys, let me know. What do you do? What is the etiquette for pictures of former partners? <laughs> The Just nude, curious. The nudes, I like to call the them. The nudies. The nudies. <laughs> Ain't nobody wants to see my nudies. Let me just tell Stop. you that. I got out. You know the layout of my house. So you've been in my bathroom. I like literally get out of the shower and there's a massive mirror. Yeah, I don't like that. There's a big mirror in there. And I'm like, like Kristen will come in running. What's the matter? I'm like, that, that in the mirror. She's like, stop. I can't. Let's now talk about a woman named Janelle Potter. Janelle moved to Mountain City, Tennessee in 2005, according to ABC News. She has been described as a sheltered young woman up to that point. Janelle admitted to having a hard time making friends after she moved. Here is what she told 2020. Because I wasn't born and raised here. I didn't grow up here. People here do not like outsiders. It's been said that Janelle was ill with type 1 diabetes. She lived at home with her parents and didn't have a job or a license. Okay, I can see how that might be a lonely existence, right? Yeah, kind of. I'm a loner, so you got to remember, I'm completely fine being by myself all the entire time. That's true. But I think she want. I don't think she wanted to be alone. I think she longed for. Yeah. Yeah. This I had actually heard of this case before. This is the last one, and it's it's a little longer because it, it has many different angles. All right, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to concentrate. Okay. Charity has recorded with me enough to know that when I'm thinking or when I'm speaking, I always close my eyes. Yes. So. Christy Groover, Janelle's sister, has said that Janelle had always had a hard time making friends. Christy, who was estranged from her family, had this to say to 2020. Instead of being herself, my parents tried to make her fit in. They also, in the same breath, would say how different she was, and then she became unable to make friends normally. Social media became Janelle's life support. Though she said her parents monitored her Facebook page. So she had a hard time making regular friends. So she was introduced to Facebook and started making friends online. So according to her sister, it sounds like the parents had a lot of control of her. Yep. You know, they knew she was a little, a little naive and a little off or whatever. Um, it was probably out of love, not wanting her to get hurt or taken advantage of. 
I would think, right? Maybe. Like, I didn't raise children in this atmosphere. Right. You kind of didn't either because your kids are, I mean, you, you have one that's still younger. Yes. But, like, my kids were adults before, you know, a lot of this. They, they were older and out of the States. I don't know how I would handle that. Right. Like, do what I, I, I don't know, would I mo- want to monitor their communications and stuff like well, that? Well, I mean, she, me she was a grown-ass lady, 22 years old. Oh, at 22? Right, yeah. I thought we were talking about a 16-year-old. No. Stay out of that chick's life. I think. She was definitely not a teenager. She was older than a teenager. Oh, my gosh. Never mind. Scratch everything I just said. No, but she wasn't a normal. What they were saying is she wasn't a normal, like, girl that age. Well, if my parents were still having their thumb over everything I did at 22, I wouldn't be normal either. Well, I think part of it, from what her sister sounds like, she, she was not worldly because she had been sick her whole life with diabetes. Okay. So I think they, they thought they were protecting her maybe. Gotcha. And then at you some already point, lost me because anytime somebody says diabetes, I just think of Wilford Brimley going, Oh yeah. Diabetes. The diabetes. Um, I get it. But all right. So scratch everything I said and I'll let you continue. Yeah, on. They probably felt as though Facebook was a safer outlet for their daughter to make friends easily without getting hurt. Things seemed to start look up for looking up for Janelle when she met a pharmacy employee named Tracy Green, Greenwell. Okay. Tracy explained in 2020 how she and her friends felt sorry for Janelle because of her health issues and because she was lonely. So they kind of like took her into their friend group. Janelle would hang out with Tracy and her friends and was later introduced to Tracy's brother, Billy Payne. Many people have said that Janelle fell in love with Billy, but Tracy didn't think so. Soon, Janelle would be introduced to Tracy's cousin, Jamie Curd, and the two began became a quick item, Ooh. careful to be secretive so her parents wouldn't find out. Ooh la la. Jamie was really good with computers, and he was called to Janelle's house to, quote unquote, fix her computer, when in reality, there was no fixing going on, but probably some, you know, extracurricular wonka, wonka. activities, if you catch moderate. I do. Wink, wink. I can't wink, by the way. Wait, you can't? No, but I wrote wink, wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Oh my God, you can't. No, I look like I'm having What it. are you doing with your face? It's like you're having a seizure. <laughs> Thank God you have straps holding your glasses on and they didn't fall I off can, of your face. I can wiggle my ears though. Oh my God, she can, people. Yep. Charity can wiggle her ears but can't wink. Yep. The thing that my less than one-year-old grandson can do, the more you, you know. can't do. The more you know. There you go. Sorry. Um, so yeah, things were going in a positive direction. It looks like, right? Sure. Not only was she making friends and becoming more social, she even had an undercover boyfriend. Yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah. Although her social life seemed much better, Janelle's online life was becoming a nightmare. It seemed as though she was getting bullied horribly through her Facebook. There were all sorts of mean comments suddenly appearing on her page. And these comments were from an anonymous Facebook account. Uh Uh-oh. Some of the comments even threatened harm to Janelle, even saying they were going to get her raped. It escalated so badly, Janelle's mother even posted on her FB saying, please do not write on Janelle's Facebook. Please don't do this. Sounds like Janelle's mother knew just how emotionally fragile her daughter was and realized how the online attacks were affecting her. Janelle claimed to know who was behind all the bullying. She said it was her... FB friend, Billie Jean Hayworth, and she claimed it was definitely because Billie Jean was extremely je- jealous of her beauty. All right. I don't know 
this case at all. Charity okay. can attest. I don't know. I want to make a guess. Okay. It was her. She was doing it to just herself. Just wait. That is my guess. Let's see what happens. Let's just wait. Oh, I hope I'm right. Remember um, Tracy, Jamie's cousin? Yes. And remember her brother, Billy? Yep. The guy that everyone thought Janelle originally had the hot huts for? Yes, yes. Well, Billy and Billy Jean were dating at the time. They had just had a Wait, ba- but Billy Jean's not my lover. <laughs> Billy Jean's- Just a girl who that thought that I she- was the one. Yeah. The kid, he's not my son, Cherry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. I'll be here all week. Billy and Billie Jean had just had a baby and were living together with their little family. Things started to blow up as soon as Janelle accused Billie Jean of being behind all the horrible online bullying. Jamie, Janelle's BF, got involved, believing his girlfriend about who was behind the mayhem. Now, remember, Billy and Jamie were cousins, so you can imagine the rift this was causing in that family. The online fighting went back and forth for all to see. At one point, Janelle even said that she wished the couple and their new baby would die. <gasps> Those are some hateful, sharp words from someone who doesn't even know if they, if these people are really the ones behind the bullying. Right. Honestly, this is why sometimes social media is evil. Online wars are the worst. People will say things online that they would never say to someone's face in real life. Janelle was convinced she was- That's because if you say stuff like that to me in real life, I'll punch you in the face. True that, sister. Right? I don't put up with beef from anybody. Beef! Yeah. Janelle- for dinner. (laughs) Janelle was convinced she was in danger and was said to be paranoid about it all. So people were telling her that, like, dude, you're being paranoid. Like, just calm it down. Like, no one's trying to kill you. No one's trying to whatever. You don't even know if these people are the ones who are messaging you. Just calm it down. Yep. All the back and forth didn't get Janelle anywhere, and it was just causing havoc in all of their lives. Finally, Janelle and Billy and Billie Jean unfriended each other. Thank goodness, right? About time. Here's where things start to get interesting. January 31st, 2012, a friend of Billie Jean and Billy found the couple dead <gasps> at their home. No. The couple both had just one gunshot wound to their face, but Billy was also found to have a knife slice to the neck. Oh, boy. They were killed while they were laying in bed with their seven-month-old baby boy, who was spared being killed. Okay. Thank God. I was just going to be like, whoa, what's up? After the police were called to the scene, an investigation began, and the first person of interest was Janelle. They went to Janelle's home and interviewed not only her, but her parents, Marvin and Barbara as well. Oh, my God. The only... This is now in my head. What? You know when you hear names Mm -hmm. and it's like name deja vu, but you can't think about what it was? And I didn't think of it until you just said Barbara. When you said Janelle, (laughs) the only thing that popped into my head was, is I know that from something. Teen Mom, too. And her mom was was Barbara. That's right. So, yes, guys, I watched Teen Mom, too. Good old Bob. And Janelle was a train wreck back then. Yep. Don't know what she's doing now. Maybe she's listening. Hi, team on people. If you're listening, let us know. <laughs> so when they interviewed her, they recorded it. It was clear Janelle didn't want her parents to know that she and Jamie were in a relationship, but that didn't stop investigators from bringing Jamie in for questioning as well. They clearly had evidence that showed the two were a couple. Jamie agreed to take a polygraph test during the interview, and it was clear he was lying about knowing who killed Billy and Billy Jean. 
Jamie asked police if, if, oh, this is where it gets real good. Jamie asked the police if the CIA was there. Uh, That's quite the odd question out of the blue. McFly. (laughs) And then it, it will soon become clear why he asked that. Okay. Jamie's claim was that he had been talking to a man named Chris from the CIA. Chris supposedly told him that he was assigned to protect Janelle from the horrible people that could hurt her. This isn't adding up. Remember, Chris, the CIA agent, because he comes up quite a bit in this investigation. Oh, boy. After over six hours with detectives, Jamie finally broke and admitted that Janelle's father, Marvin, a.k.a. Buddy, was the person that killed Billy and Billy Jean. So Marvin went by Buddy. Huh. Her father. Okay. This isn't what I was expecting. Nope. After the admission, investigators had Jamie call Buddy and try to get him to admit he did it on the phone, on a recorded line. This didn't work, but they had enough information to arrest him. During the interrogation, Buddy had this to say. Ever since all this crap started, I've had my life threatened. My wife has been threatened. They've threatened to take Janelle, cut her head off. I don't know how much of what he said was true, <laughs> but the police knew they had the man that killed the young couple. Buddy then asked if he could call his wife Barbara. Barbara. How am I sp- Barbara? <laughs> Barbara. His wife, Barbara. <laughs> hey, just roll with it. It hurts. Here is what he said to her. I did it. That's all he said to his wife. Huh. Important phone call mm -hmm. right there. Investigators had the man that pulled the trigger, but thought Janelle and Barbara were involved as well. They were Hmm. able to get a search warrant for the home. Here is what, here is some of what they found. They found lots of weapons, but none of them um, were the weapons that we use in the killings. There were pictures of the victims laying around. And Barbara was seen ripping one of them up before it was spotted. Yeah. She knew all along something was going on. Yeah. She was involved. They took the family's computer, and when they looked in Buddy's truck, they found more pictures in bags that had been shredded. So just so this is what I'm thinking, the pictures were so that they got the right person. Yeah. Right? So they had pictures of both Billy and Billy Jean to make sure that they, the couple was the right couple. Yes. They found texts between Janelle and Jamie the morning of the murders, and they were very telling, I bet. So, again, these people aren't very smart. No. Oh, tons of emails from CIA Chris. That's his name. I'm naming him CIA Chris. CIA Chris. Were found in the computer. Chris appeared to be keeping Barbara in the loop as he watched out for Janelle. All these emails came from the same IP address. Yeah. Hmm. Weird how that happens. This information led the detectives to believe that Janelle was the mastermind of this whole operation. She was pretending to be CIA Chris and contacting her parents and Jamie. They believed that Barbara knew what her husband was going to do and actually encouraged it. Whoa. For these reasons, Janelle and Barbara were arrested in August of 2013 for the murders as well. Buddy was found guilty in October that same year and was sentenced to two life sentences. Jamie was also convicted for his involvement, but took a plea deal for a lighter sentence of 25 years. Janelle and Barbara's trial didn't start until May of 2015. Prosecutors called them the mastermind, saying Janelle started it all and Barbara made sure it took place. In the end, both women were found guilty of first-degree murder and were sentenced to life in prison. 
Barbara had this to say. I don't want anyone murdered. I did not do that. Janelle said, I didn't murder anyone. Guess what, gals? The law says you did. Right. <laughs> oh, well, we can't say this family doesn't stick together. <laughs> At least we know there's another disaster, Janelle and Barbara out there. <laughs> right? Let's think about this for a minute. Two young parents lost their lives because of social media and made up stuff. I couldn't find out any information if it's known who actually was sending threats to Janelle originally. And I said the same thing as you. I'm wondering if she was sending them to herself. Yeah. So right? it, these people may have not even done a thing. I I don't think they did. I think well, that was why it was such a fight. They're like, we we are not the people who are doing this. We don't wow. know who's sending you these these threats. Um, she made up CIA Chris. What if she did all of this for attention, and that's the only reason two people are dead and a baby was left without his parents? Unbelievable. Like, talk about a stupid reason to kill. Right. I don't think there's a good reason to kill. Period. But no, this is but like, I'm saying this like, one this takes was, the cake. That's that's why I say this one for last. I like to go through all of that and to to make someone up like that. And you have your you have your boyfriend duped. You have like do do you guys really think a CIA agent is going to be calling you and telling you that they've been assigned to your daughter? No, especially since quote unquote CIA operatives are not allowed to operate in this country. Right. Like they, they're there for foreign stuff. Well, it Quote was unquote, maybe not supposed to. Maybe she they were afraid that um, I don't know. She was a person who was super important in all of the world and needed outside influences to watch over her. You're right. I take back my, my Jeez, not Mark. understanding. God. Charity, I agree with you. <sighs> she was super important. I, they saw teen mom, too. Yeah. They're like Janelle and Barbara need us. They need us. I got to yeah. go investigate. Yep. That's right. Good batch of cases here today. Yeah, I thought that one was a good one. Shout out. Shout, shout out. There we go. I'll leave it in for you. I'll even Thank I'll leave you, a Mark. mark taken. Shout out to our entire Case Watch Crime Creeps for sending in these great cases. Holler at ya. We cannot do it without you. Nope. Charity and I appreciate it. And that's about it for today, isn't it? I think so. All right, guys. Reach out to us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod. I am at not Mark B. Charity is at charity underscore case watch. I have to look to see if I'm still beating you. You are. I probably should put Instagram back on my new phone. Probably. Because I haven't yet. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. We appreciate each and everything you do for us. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. See ya. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.